Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Amen. How are we doing this morning? Do you remember last weekend when we had the heat on in here? Somebody left it on, I think. I don't know. Uh, so anyone who wants to travel around and experience all different climates, just live in New England, I guess, and uh, experience it all in one week. So, um, But we are here, and I have some apple seeds. All right. If you know farming, you probably know these aren't, but just pretend, okay? Um, and by the way, if someone knows Elaine, our custodian, I did not make this mess. It's probably one of our kids, but not on me, okay? She's going to blame me, though. But I have apple seeds, and pretend I have beautiful soil, I can water and nutrients and sunlight, right? And I, and I can, maybe the mess wasn't me, actually. Um, and and I, I plant these seeds in that soil, and they get nourished, and, and they grow healthy. What happens? What do they grow into? Who's got it? Oh, you're an A-plus class for sure. So far, you're like, why am I here? This is not helpful. I already knew that. All right, so now you got apple trees, right? They're growing, and they're getting more and more healthy, right? And, and, and then if, if you're to look at that, an apple tree and say, that is a healthy apple tree, how will you know? Ah, it's going to have apples, right? It's going to have more beautiful apples probably than this, right? That's what I got at the grocery store. But it's not going to have something else, right? It's not going to have... Bananas. It's not going to have crab apples. A healthy apple tree is going to, you know, Jesus loved this uh, illustration. The Bible loves it. It's by your fruit that we'll know who you really are. You can't tape apples, you know, to a pine tree, right? It, it, it doesn't start with the fruit. The fruit is born out of the health. And so what we're going to see in Paul's prayer um, that he writes to the Colossians today is this thing called fruit, gospel fruit. And see, the Colossians are, as we'll see throughout this letter, just like happens to us, they're there's voices somewhere. We don't know exactly what. We know some of what, but they're, they're, they're trying to say, it's fine that you know the gospel. It's fine that you know Jesus, but, but there's this too. There's this over here. And the whole idea is gospel fruit is our purpose. And the idea is not something on top of it that we need. We need to go deeper and deeper into it. And it bears more fruit and more fruit. And that's what we want to talk about today. Let's pray as we go to God's word together. Jesus, we thank you for saving. We thank you for dying for us. We thank you for your word. Lord God, we thank you today for the, the letter of Colossians that we're about to go into for the next several weeks. And so, Lord, I pray that you will take the words that Paul wrote so long ago that were meant for a church so long ago and make them just as real and impactful to our lives today, this year, this day. And so we give this to you. We ask this by the power and strength of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So fruit to be thankful for. Um, For the first time in quite a while, you don't need to open to Hebrews chapter 11, huh? Colossians chapter 1. So we'll put it on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, it's Colossians 1. Verse 1, and um, you can use a pew Bible as well. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, by the way, please take that uh, that's in the pew. We'd love for you to have God's Word. It's our gift to you to bring it home with you. We can replace it. We have more 
where we can get more. So that's our goal. So as you, as you do that, um, just wanted to, some of you are wondering, usually the first weekend we celebrate the Lord's Supper. So that's going to happen next weekend. We haven't forgotten, um, just with some scheduling issues. Also, our Believer's Baptism, which we were going to do in June, is now mid-July. So if you're interested in Believer's Baptism, you can still get in on that. Come see me. Um, so, uh, oh, and also, the, as we go through this Colossians series, we're, we uh, filmed a series of just two-ish minute videos that kind of go along with it, and we put out like three of them a week. Um, so Instagram, Facebook, and also uh, on our YouTube channel. That, you can find that if you're not a social media person. Um, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and just see those that will kind of help. They're real short, but, but kind of get us staying in this letter throughout the week. So, All right, that's all my commercials that, that I have, I think. Um, so as we, we get to this letter, um, just to, to uh, set it up for you, um, Paul wrote it from prison. You can see right there his greeting, I, Paul. Right? So it's from Paul, and he wrote it from a prison. Most think Rome. Paul was in a lot of prisons in a lot of different places, so that's still up in the air. But he was in prison. Um, and, and, he, and he wrote this to this church, rough to see. But he wrote this letter uh, in, the, in the very form that you would know, if you were in that Greco-Roman culture, that it was kind of a form letter, how you did it. You had a greeting first, as you see here, and then a thanksgiving to the gods, usually. Um, so Paul would use that form but then in his letters, he'll make it distinctly Christian, and he'll also start setting the tone for whatever issues might be happening there. And so we see this greeting together, um, and I'm just going to read it. We're going to um, take it through verse 8 this weekend and look at one point, because I know it's hot. We don't have seven hours, right? So no holidays out there, okay? Um, so Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, right? So it's Paul, Timothy, you probably know him. He's found himself in Acts and a lot of letters he pops up. He's one of Paul's closest, probably the closest companion. Um, and so he's there with him. And so clearly Paul had discussed these things with Timothy. So he's saying, hey, I'm writing this, but Timothy's on board with what I'm saying as, as well. And I love, he says he's an apostle. That means a, and, and that's a, an office that God gave him, a sent one specifically to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And I love how Paul is always quick to say, by the will of God. Don't you love that? Paul didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to become an apostle of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you know his testimony, which he gives, it's given three times in the book of Acts, or between the, the letters in the book of Acts, it's like he hated Christians. He tried to do everything else to stomp on them, kill them, throw them in prison, and yet literally God, Jesus met him and knocked him off an actual high horse and said, you're on my team now. By the will of God, he became an apostle. Right? So, so the, the greeting is who writes it, but it's also who is it written to. It's to the saints. That just means set apart, holy, Christians. Those by the blood of Jesus Christ have been set apart by God's grace. It doesn't mean some extra holy person. Any one of you is a Christian. You are a saint because of the gospel. And so he says, to the saints and faithful brothers. So they're faithful. There's, it's going to be a, a good report. It says, in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. So the thing that you were going to find out later in the letter is that this church is um, a, a church not started by Paul. 
Paul never met them, at least to this point. He wanted to meet them, but, the, but here's in prison. So he's writing this letter to this church. They're in Asia Minor, and there was a lot of churches that had popped up. And most likely what happened is Paul spent a lot of time in Ephesus, which wasn't far. And it's basically the Bible tells us that that was sort of the hub of the gospel. Paul's sharing Christ. People are coming to Christ, and they're going, and they're starting other churches, and they're popping up in these different places that, that again, the fruit of the gospel begins to bear more fruit of the gospel. And and, and so he's right in this church that he, that he doesn't know. And in fact, um, Epaphras, or Epaphras, you know, depending on how you want to say his name, tomato, tomato, was, uh, he actually was the one who came to Christ under Paul's ministry and started the church in Colossae. And now he had come to prison to give him a report of what's going on. And so he's writing this to this uh, gathering of believers, much like us, Right? Where, where he's never met them. So, but, he, but, he, but he says, I'm thankful. As, as we're going to see the rest of what we're going to look at today is this thankfulness. Like I said, typically in a letter you would say, I thank the gods because it was Greco-Roman. Um, but of course, Paul doesn't thank gods, plural. He says, we always thank God, the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. And that's, it's just amazing right there to know that Paul is praying for these people. Right? He's never meant to be. He's like, we pray often, and when we do, we thank God for what he's doing in you. Okay, so what are they thankful for? What is God doing? And that's what gets into this gospel fruit. He says, this is what we're thankful for. Since we heard, so we heard the report, of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Now, there's three words there. You recognize them? Paul uses them a lot. Faith, hope, love. He doesn't always use them in this order or that order. It depends on kind of what, but faith, hope, and love. Just sort of the classic gospel fruit that's in every Christian uh, that's true believer, that's truly bearing fruit, faith, hope, love. Let me just give you this, the end of his thought here, and then I'll back up. He says, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. And so the word of the truth is the gospel. When we say gospel, and you see gospel all over the place, we talk about the gospel all over the way. I mean, Lauren was giving that video about that discipleship class. It's how to be gospel-centered family. What does that mean? It means everything grows deeper into the fact that God so loved you that he sent his only son to die in your place, to shed his blood on the cross, right? That, that you were alienated from God, like we sang today. You, 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 were, you were an enemy of God. You were, you were, that was your destiny, and yet God said, I want to save you. That's the gospel. That's not just the starting point, as we'll see. That is the, the whole life. It's not just the diving board, as we'll often say. It's the swimming pool, and it's bottomless, the gospel. To have, that's why we say we want to be a gospel-centered church, have gospel worship, gospel uh, ministry, gospel outreach, gospel relationship, gospel-centered marriages, gospel-centered kids, gospel-centered ministries. Everything comes from and is about what Jesus did for us and what he continues to do for us. And so he's saying that gospel, the word of truth, which you heard, right, that is bearing fruit. We're thankful that God is doing that. So what's the fruit? It's those three words. Right? He says faith. I shouldn't have to spend a lot of time on faith since we just spent a lot of weeks literally saying faith. What is it? But he says we've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So you, you truly have trusted in, in Christ. You can already see, even though Paul has not yet kind of 
kind of come against those false teachers that are tickling some ears. He's by, just by saying we're thankful for this, he's trying to say, like, like what else do you need? Right? You have this awesome faith. We've given the report. That means more than just you gave your life to Christ. That's the starting point. But it also means, as we saw throughout this last series, when you're going through times of mourning and grief and sickness and hardship and persecution, you're looking to Jesus. Your eyes are fixed on Jesus. You're not looking away. That's faith. That's gospel-centered faith. Right? You, you're doing that. Why would you want anything else? And then secondly, he says the love, right? So it's, it's um, the, the faith, since we heard of your faith and of the love that you have for all the saints. And in verse 8, he's going to say love in the spirit. This is not the love of the world. This is not loving someone you like. This is loving someone because God loved you first. It's gospel-centered love. It's love because of Christ. It's love in the Spirit. That means nobody's going hungry. That means nobody is, is, is lonely. That means nobody is there without someone to pray for them. That means nobody's there, doesn't have someone to lean on. Your love is knitting yourselves together in that, that community, and that is turning the world upside down as we're about to see. That's one of the biggest reasons the gospel spread is people saw this amazing love amongst men, women, boys, girls that that just didn't make sense, right, to love. That's what's happening. Why do you need something else? Because someone's saying, oh, that's great. You need that. Look what's happening in here. We're so thankful with what's happening. But he uses that third word, which, which really it all drives the engine. He says it is because, so that faith and that hope, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So there's that. So the faith, to be able to walk through hard times. The love, you and you love me, even when we might annoy each other, even when I really don't want to. To be able to do that comes from hope. Hope. All right, so, and not just, this is a different kind of hope than, man, I, I really hope I, I do well on my test, you know. My son just graduated the other day in this last semester. Senioritis is a real thing, as I've said to many of you. And uh, he was like, yeah, you know, I hope I do well. Well, have you actually studied, right? Like, that's not the kind of hope we're talking about, right? Or I hope my team wins, or I hope I get the job, right? What we're talking about with Christian hope is certainty to come. It's laid up in heaven. It's, it's waiting for you. It's talking about the glories of Christ. And I've said many times to you, if you're a Christian, you're in the gospel, right? You're bearing gospel fruit. Three trillion years from now, you will still be growing in awe of the mysteries, of the power, of the majesty of the Father, and the glorious grace of the King of kings and Lord of lords. You're not going to be like, well, all right, it's three trillion years. I'm about done with this. What else we got? That's not going to happen. This is waiting for you where there is no, there's no tears. There's, there's, there's no brokenness. There's no sin. Relationships are there how they should be. You're in the presence of Almighty God. This isn't a harp on a cloud and being uh, boringly religious, as you'll see in, you know, the Tom and Jerry cartoons or whatever the kids are watching nowadays, you know. Um, it, it, this, is, this is hope, right? So he's saying because of that Christian hope, that's gospel fruit. Where's my apple? Right, Because you, you've trusted in faith in Christ and you are living, fixing your eyes on that hope, now, okay, now I can walk through this hard time. More fruit. Now I can believe God in this insurmountable thing. More fruit. And now I can love somebody even though they hurt me. Because I'm, I'm fixing my eyes on hope. 
That's what's happening. He's like, he's like, this is what we're thankful for is happening in your, in your church because of the gospel. Now, let me finish this um, section. It's not even his whole prayer. But he's talking about that gospel again, that gospel fruit, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understand, understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it, remember Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has been made known to us your love in the Spirit. So he's, he's like, he's done a great job with you. We've heard the report. And you, you've understood the gospel. You've believed the gospel. You see the hope of, the, of, of heaven, and, and it's causing you to love one another, and it's turning the world upside down. He's like, you're just a microcosm, just a, an example of, of what's happened in the whole world. I mean, one could, could kind of argue, as you think about what Paul's saying, is he's getting a little bit of ahead of himself. At this point in the first century, you read historians from Rome, Roman historians, Jewish historians, they barely mention Christianity. It was a small sect called the Way, and it was just sort of annoying to them or kind of curious to them. But Paul's like, it's turning the world upside down, right? Because Paul saw it, like prophetically. He saw pockets of people like the Colossi Church popping up, and here's what was beautiful. It's crossing all different lines of ethnicity and language and culture and economics, it's like He literally is going to also write a, a letter that you have in your Bible called Philemon, right? Where he's sending a slave who's a Christian back to his master who's a Christian. And, and this is unheard of in their culture. They were like, what is this? That the, the Jewish uh, faith could then now be, uh, they, they, their Messiah is Christ. Now they go to the hated Samaritans. And they join them. And then they go to the, are you kidding me? Gentiles? And they join them. Women, they have prominent roles in this faith. This is mind-blowing to this culture. Love is knitting to them together. Hope is beyond anything that anyone's ever seen. And so even though the world isn't yet caught up, Paul's seeing it everywhere. He's saying, that's what you have. Go deeper because it's turning the world upside down. And Paul knew it, and it did. Now, 300 years later, there was more Christians in Rome than not. The whole slave system fell apart because of actual fruit-bearing Christians. If you look back and you look at orphanages today, you look at so many hospitals today, why are they all, so many of them called Saint this or Saint that? The church did those things. It was the church that, that, that said, we gotta care for our orphans, we gotta care for the sick, we gotta bless the poor, right? And so all of that has turned the world upside down and it's still happening today. If you don't see it in your lives or around you, it is all over the world. There's places where, where the gospel is flourishing, even though it's illegal and you could be killed. It will not stop because it's a movement by the power of God. So that's what he's saying. Why do you need anything else? It's literally changing the world. And so our point today is just that same point, that the gospel fruit is our purpose, nothing else. Gospel fruit. That's why we, we say we're gospel-centered. But that, that's why we can say another for Christ at any cost to us. If you're not gospel-centered, you'll never do that. It's going to cost me money. It's going to cost me time. It's going to cost my, my, maybe uh, a, a promotion at some point. It's going to cost me something in this world. 
but it's okay because I'm gospel-centered and I'm going deeper into the gospel. And that means, because we're just like them, there's, there's voices, some of them are cultural voices. Like, for you to have meaning, for you to have purpose, you need more money, you need more status, you need that promotion, you need like, to, to, to have the likes and the views on, on social media, that's what you need. And it's, it's always like, so. if we're not diving deeper into the rich glory of Christ, we are tantalized by that. Sometimes they're spiritual voices. It's just like they probably were dealing with, oh, it's good, you know, you preach the gospel and all that, but you know what you really need? You need this. You need this. It's a beautiful thing, I think, that this letter, we're not really sure what the false teaching was because it can be applied to our day just as much. There's always outside voices. And yet we need to understand our purpose if you're a Christian. Now, if you're not, I hope you're seeking, and I hope you'll become one today. I hope you'll give your life to Christ. But if you're someone, I was dragged here, I want nothing to do with this, then go. Get, get with the world. Get every ounce of glory from this world you can. It saddens me, but that's all there's ever going to be, and it will be empty to you. But for those who, who, who know this God, this is your purpose. This gospel is your purpose. And so what does that mean for us? Well, it, it, Paul started it, right, with hope. Hope. But the hope that's stored up in heaven. You know, um, I was reading a commentator in, in, in studying this passage, and somebody made a good point. He says, you know, I think a lot of our churches today have stopped teaching and preaching and focusing on hope. And that, that ends up disintegrating everything, including faith and love, other gospel fruits. Because, like, if you don't do that, right, if you, if you don't, and I don't know why that's the case. Maybe it's because it's hard. It's not tangible, right? It's like, it's like, it doesn't build the crowds to say, hey, someday in heaven, like, you want to say, I need something today, right? And, and I need this fixed, and I need to be healed, and I did. And so, to build a crowd, we stop looking at the, the, the hope that is ours, that's in eternity, and we start to say, well, your hope is, you know, uh, that you're, this is going to get fixed, or you're going to be healed, or you're going to get wealthy, or you're, and, and then the church starts to sound just like everybody else, right? If you miss that hope, now faith becomes, I believe God can, can, can fix this issue, and, and he can, and you should pray for that, but what if he doesn't? Your hope is heaven, right? And then love, like, you're not going to love your enemy if you're not fixed on hope. What is hope for us? Hope is that, that throne of God. Hope is that, that we are going to live in eternity with him. That whatever happens here, it's why uh, you guys love the rope of hope example, right? And the green tape because, because it, it keeps our eyes fixed on what matters, and so now everything changes in your marriage and in your parenting and your grandparenting and in your singleness and in your struggles because my hope isn't here. Like we said a few weeks ago, this is not my home. Right? He calls me to live in it, but my purpose is hope and to grow in that hope and the knowledge of that hope. And then when I do and I say, you got so much more for me, Jesus, because you died for me, you redeemed me, and, and I'm part of your kingdom, so now what? Right? So, so what, he, what he says right, is that hope drives the engine of faith and love, other gospel fruit. So it's a good question. What are you hoping in? Like really, if you sit back and say, what is my real hope for my life? What am I really hoping in? And if I'm hoping in riches or success or comforts or pleasures, 
I've completely missed my purpose. I mean, God will give you those things if he does, but he may or he may not. But your hope is it's a different hope, a different kingdom, a different place. And so then when you, when you fix your eyes on that, what happens? You increase your faith. So now you trust him. So let me ask you another question. What are you most stressed or upset about right now? Don't say it out loud. We don't need all that. But think about it. What are you most, and it might be a bunch of things. Maybe it's one huge thing. You came in here, man, I, I just, like, and, and it's, it's like we were talking about all in our spring series of faith. It's like, i got to walk and trust Christ when I don't see it. The conviction of things not seen. How do you do that? If you fix your eyes on hope. You have so many treasures waiting for you in heaven. And so as you live this life, you believe God when you can't see it. You believe God through this when you're not sure. You believe and rejoice in God even when things are broken down. Faith increases. Gospel fruit increases. And then love. And then love. How do we love one another, including people that drive us crazy? Because, I mean, we, we read in the Bible, right? Jesus says, pray for your enemies, love your enemies. And we're like, oh, that's so good. And we close our Bibles, but not going to happen. And I'm not a doormat. I'm not going to, right? And, and because that's the human way of thinking. And if we're fixed our eyes just on this life, no, you're not going to love. You're going to love people you like. Jesus said tax collectors did that. Sinners do that. The mafia does that. They love their, you know, until they're shooting each other. But, you know, for the time being, I like you, so I'll love you. That's not love in the Spirit. Love in the Spirit says, I want to radically love someone regardless of who they are or what they've done. Why? Because God loved me first. And it all comes from hope. If this doesn't work out, I love you and you still spit in my face, my hope is in heaven. And so I, this, this is our purpose, right? That, that gospel fruit. And so, okay, before we, we close, because this is sometimes a struggle for me. If this is true, well, how do I, what's the step I need to take? And that could be a lot of different things for a lot of different people. But the first for every one of us, and I know this is going to sound so Sunday school answer to you, but it's to pray. Sometimes our prayers, and I'm not saying, you know, like, like we, we pray for Uncle Larry's surgery. And if you're Larry and you have surgery coming up, I'm not a prophet. It was just, you know. And we pray for Aunt Mary and we want to pray. We do. God said, that, that's biblical. Pray. Pray for the sick. Pray for the, you know, we pray for each other's needs. We should. But man, sometimes we forget. Right? Lift your eyes and pray for eternal things for the people in your lives, for the church in your lives. If you're like, oh, I want to pray for Pastor Jamie, but there's so many weird things about him, I don't even know where to begin. Begin here. Or pray for yourself, right? God, give me hope today. Real heavenly hope. Remind me. Give me, I often pray this, just give me a taste, God, today of what that throne room's going to be like. Because it's hard for me to picture it in this garbage of this world. I'm not seeing it. Give it to me. Just a taste, a glimpse. What is it going to be like? Because that will drive me to have more faith and more love for one another. And so pray. Let's pray for each other. Pray for churches and ministries you know. Pray for missionaries you know. Paul thanked God for these people he'd never met. So it begins with praying, right? But then this gospel fruit is our purpose. We want more of it. Go get it. You don't need anything else. You don't need anything else. I think sometimes we think, well, I, uh, and someone says, are, are you Christian? Well, yeah, I, I, 
I prayed a prayer when I was 15 and at youth camp. Or, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church sometimes. We're, we're in church. And, and, and you might be, but we kind of, that's our answer. Imagine if, you know, 23 years and just a little over a month ago, I literally stood right here in this church with Heather before Pastor Mel Hansen, and we got married. I know, she's crazy. I got lucky, all right? End of story. Another sermon for another day. So, so that happened. Now, if you were to come up to me and say, Jamie, are you, are you married? And my answer was yes. 23 years ago, in a month, uh, in a month about, uh, uh, we, we made vows, and we're legally married. But then you see me in my life, and you're like, I don't want to spend any time with my wife. I don't really show any affection to her. I, I don't really, I kind of have all these other things I'd rather do. Am I really married the way I should be? I'm not enjoying that marriage, and she certainly isn't either. The idea, every premarital counseling couple that I do, and I've had several lately, right, is I tell them, look, to a fair-proof your marriage is, yes, about not looking outside your marriage, but it's you, you grow deeper in love with each other every day. You do that, that handsome person, that beautiful person will walk by, oh, that's a beautiful person, that's it, right? Because you're going deeper into what is yours, your purpose. And so that analogy eventually fails, but I want you to see the mindset that, that of relationship in the gospel and that when Jesus is enough, it's not just about, you know, I prayed a prayer and now I try to read my Bible and go to church. It's falling deeper into relationship with Christ every day, seeking it purposefully. You don't get anything without being purposeful about it. I mean, what if I said, you know, I, don't lose, I want to lose 10 pounds and we'll just see how it goes. You'd be like, probably not going to work, probably going to gain 10 pounds. You gotta actually diet and exercise and be purposeful. There's everything in life is like that. This is no different. We, I have to purposefully say, more of you, Jesus. And you know what happens? And, and so many of you can testify of this. It's as you get a little bit more, you just want even more. It never is like, eh, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. Right? It's, it's more. And so, yeah, if you're in a dry time reading the Word of God, get back into it. If, you've, if your prayer life has really fallen on, on, on you know, the, the rocks of, of just kind of repetition and you're not sure, get around a mature believer who's a great prayer warrior and say, man, I want to pray with you because you'll, you'll show me. Be around other mature believers. As we come out of this pandemic, we're having, you already saw Lauren's group and Haley has a, a ladies group this summer. And there's some other things popping up this fall. We'll have groups and classes. Get in one. Get around others because, man, iron sharpens iron. You, you're around people who love Jesus, you're going to love them more. You're around people who love the world, you're going to love the world more. That's how it works. That's how it works. I still have to do that. Get around people, older pastors who have been doing it and love the Lord even more than I do and say, man, I want to be more like them as they're more like him. Whatever step that is, ministry, right? And this isn't a because we need people's help. This is, I mean, you, raise your hand if you've ever done a ministry to serve someone and you got way more blessed than the person you were serving. Go ahead, raise your hand. Look around. Look around. Almost all of us. Right? So ministry, yeah, it's about the person, whether it's children or teens or you're serving the homeless or whatever you're doing, but man, you're around other believers and you end up forming bonds that grow you deeper in love with the gospel of Jesus Christ every day. That's your purpose. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite our worship team up, and I'm just simply going to pray for you. And um, maybe while I do this, you, you can pray for yourself or pray for someone else or pray for everyone else in this room silently as I pray about this. I want us, our prayer lives to be raised to the level of, of gospel fruit. 
God, do this in our lives. It's fine to pray. We pray for the sick, as I said. We pray for the, the, the earthly needs. We are called to do that. Don't stop doing that. But don't forget to pray for people's hope to be increased, for people's faith to be uh, uh, strengthened, and the love. Put people in our lives to radically love, even the people that we don't like very much. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you for this letter again, and there's so many other themes in here, and we'll get to them, Lord, but thank you for this one theme, this fruit, this purpose. This purpose. I ask you, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, to work in the lives of everyone right now in this room, that they would leave here knowing the hope that is laid up in heaven for them. And Lord, if they aren't a Christian, they've just never said, Jesus, save me. They've never repented of their sin. That today, right now as I'm praying, they would do that. You'd, you'd call them home. You'd call them to do that. Into relationship. Invite them into relationship with you. And for those of us who've done that, just give us the hope. Give us a glimpse of your throne. It's waiting for us. And so there, Lord, I pray for an increase in faith. There's so many stresses and troubles represented in this room all different varieties. You know them all intimately. I don't, but you do. Remind us, Lord, it's because of that hope that we can trust you in this storm or in this hard time. But you got this, Jesus. You're the King of Kings. So we're about to see soon, and Paul said, you create all things are created by you. You have this. And Lord, I pray that we'd be a church, we'd be a people that radically love one another and that, that the community sees this and says, that's different. That's different. We can only do that, God, if you increase our hope, our faith. Show us how to love. Show us how to love like you loved us. And may you receive the glory of every bit of it, that we might flourish in the gospel. And then it'll continue to flourish all over the earth until you come, until you come back and get us. We worship you. We honor you, Lord Jesus. In your name we do pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let's sing a last song called Build My Life, all about building it on, his, on the hope that is Christ. Let's stand.